Abolition. 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 I am an abolitionist. I am. I am an abolitionist. I am. I am an abolitionist. I am. I am an abolitionist. I am an abolitionist. I am. 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 I am an abolitionist. I am.
you just heard Song of the Abolitionist, I Am an Abolitionist from 1841. And that was followed by Say Real, Frederick's Song. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major streaming platforms, including Amazon Music. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I am broadcasting live from Denver, Colorado. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Uh, what's happening, fam? Um, I'm not at the Paul Coffey Abolitionist Center, as you know. <laughs> uh, we are here in Denver, Colorado, uh, just finishing up a wonderful weekend with the anniversary of the Abolished Slavery National Network. And uh, we certainly got some stars in the house tonight. For sure, for sure. You know, it's been a rough few weeks as I dealt with the passing and, you know, of my father, Joseph uh, M. Bolden, Jr. He's a huge fan of the program and a slavery abolitionist. I want to take this time to thank everybody that reached out to me, called me, texted me, uh, sent me messages, you know. So I'm just really appreciative of that. And I'm also, you know, glad to be back in the saddle. I miss you, Max. You know, Tribal, thank you for sitting in. You know, but, you know, it's been a month and I've been away and I miss all of the listeners. I just you know, this is part of the routine of my life, and it's been missing for a month. Mm-hmm. So on August 27th, we're back, and we're broadcasting live. You know, and once again, we're broadcasting live from Denver, Colorado, the Abolish Slavery National Network anniversary event. We'll talk with ASNN organizers and recap the weekend events. We will discuss the future of slavery abolition, and turn it all up with amazing music and spoken word. Like you just heard it. Like you just heard it. <laughs> then we'll close it all out with an epic speech from Frederick Douglass, read by Ozzy Davis in our Bridging the Gap segment. We introduced all of the all of it right here on Abolition Today when it began, and we'll reintroduce it in 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Abolished Slavery National Network, and in only five Short years, eight institutions no longer allow slavery as a punishment for crime because we exist. We are here. God willing, we'll be here till the job is done and the battle is won. Can I get an amen and an amen? So we are joined by some heavy hitters. You know, some difference makers. And Max likes to call them superheroes. Superheroes in the house. We got superheroes in the house. Uh, I don't know who you want to start with. We're going to start from uh, Sister Kim. Sister Kim is one of the uh, original members that helped uh, pass Amendment A uh, in Colorado and also worked on the previous amendment, right? For a brief minute, well, I think well, at the very, very end of Amendment C, it definitely was all in. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I'm Kim Bray, community organizer. I work with Together Colorado, organized on Amendment A, which abolished, removed the language of slavery from our Colorado Constitution, mm-hmm. and now starting a new movement um, to continue that work within slavery, Colorado. Has it uh, been a good weekend for you? It has been an amazing weekend for me. Amazing. Yeah. We're going to share some of those memories in a minute. Let's uh, keep it moving and go over to Brother Kamal. Uh, Allen, the uh, lead organizer at the moment for the Abolish Slavery National Network, one of the founding uh, members. He was involved in the creation of this whole thing from the very beginning. And now he's a law student uh, about to get into the next phase of slavery abolition. Go ahead and say something about yourself and uh, uh, anything you want to share. Ma'am, first and foremost, it's an honor to be hosted on this show, and I've had a fantastic weekend with the Abolish Slavery National Network, with End Slavery Colorado, and other Colorado partners. Uh, This has been one of the most incredible things that I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of. I am so proud to be an abolitionist. I am so proud to be working with individuals who blow my mind every single day. And it's y'all who give me hope. So from Colorado all the way till now, I've learned that um, the world that we want to, uh, the world that we want to live in, the world that we deserve to live in, is not only possible, but sometimes it feels inevitable with the people that I'm working with. So happy anniversary to ASU. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the right. uh, As a, he said earlier, you know, back in 2020, it was you and Dennis Fibo that came in and was like, you know what we're about to do? <laughs> you know, we're about to launch this whole national organization, and here's what it's going to be all about. And now, these three, just three years later after that, you've seen that manifest in reality. Because when we started, it was just Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, poof, it was Utah and Nebraska. And then a couple of years later, it was five ballots, uh, five states on the ballot. And we managed to successfully get four of them through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in just three years, you've got to be beaming. Man, let me tell you, um, when Kim and I were working on this in Colorado in 2016, there was a very lonely feeling. We didn't know who we could turn to for support. We didn't really know, like, how to even get funding for this issue. We didn't know how to message this issue. So we learned from the, 20, uh, the 2016 campaign to try to do things a little bit different. It was, it was very lonely out there and very uncertain. And when this passed, uh, that's when I got a call from Dennis Fibo, who was doing his thing in New Jersey, right? And he was he was like, listen, we are leading our own movement out here. Let's link up. Let's talk. Let's, let's, let's talk abolition and see what's going on. And not only did he come out to Colorado, but he invited me over to his place in New Jersey where he was hosting a Free the 13th event. And I've met the most incredible people out there, like just this – the, like just some real solid organizers. And I saw Dennis Fibo at his prime. I, I see him at his prime every day. But um, like what really began to form was this impossible idea. And I use the word impossible because at the time it felt impossible. It felt like, oh, man, we just did this thing in Colorado. There's, maybe it will take 20, 30 years for the other states to really catch on. But this thing started spreading like wildfire. Then 
Dr. Dennis, I met um, Max, who's been in this work uh, for a very long time, uh, Max and Yusuf. And then we started getting other calls from the um, Utah organizers and the uh, Nebraska folks. And that's when uh, uh, Dennis Febo was like, are we going to do this thing? Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, we have to. <laughs> and we did the damn thing. And we did the damn thing. And, and, to, and to watch this movement blossom into, into what I think is one of the most important movements in our nation's his, uh, recent history. Is nothing sort of incredible. Amen and amen again. All right, so, you know, you're the OG, and we also have what we call the new breed, because as we move forward, more and more states are getting on board, because they're like, you know, they're right. It says it right in my Constitution. And then you look at your prison systems, you go, wow, look at all these black people up in these prisons. Look how much money it costs us to incarcerate people. And New Hampshire is one of those states, and we've got Sister Ophelia here with us from New Hampshire. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what else you want to share. Yes. Hello, you guys. It is such a pleasure to be here with you guys at ASNN. Um, I'm from New Hampshire. Um, I'm formerly incarcerated myself. Um, I'm the Healing Justice Organizer with um, American Friends Service Committee. Um, I work with formerly and currently incarcerated individuals and Doing that kind of work, someone told me about ASNN, and when I found out about the things that you guys are doing, I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to do this in New Hampshire. So we're going to, when I get back home, I'm going to be introducing this and getting the campaign going, and we're going to be getting on board and just being here. Even though I'm a newbie, I've been here taking in all this information. This is better than any kind of schooling that I've ever taken, you know, growing up. I'm just like, I need all of this, and i just been taking in everything, and just even just being with all of you guys, we connected so well. You guys are all amazing. We we just connected as if I've known you guys forever, so I really appreciate that. And um, I'm just ready to go back to New Hampshire and get this baby going. <laughs> this is great. You've already got a head start because you've got a legislator that is also already working with you on this issue, yeah. right? Yeah, she's been working with me, and she's, She's back there, ready, waiting for me to come back, and we have a whole team of people that's waiting for me to get back and get this. Uh, hopefully, she's listening tonight. <laughs> 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 or at least related to somebody in the past. Yeah. <laughs> or so, uh, thank you, Ophelia. No uh, thank you. Let's go over to another OG over here. Um, you know, she's always been around, like uh, not up in the forefront. That's been me just standing there, but. Wherever I'm at, she's been there. So at the founding of uh, the organization, she was literally sitting right next to me, taking it all in and participating to some degree. And even at almost every event, you'll hear her doing her spoken word poetry. She was with me last the last time I was on air as our guest here on Abolition Today, ladies and gentlemen, Travel Rain. What's up, what's up? What's up? Oh. Yeah, good. Uh, this weekend has been totally phenomenal, totally phenomenal. How has it felt for you seeing this occur over this short period of time? Well, you and I have been at it not a short period of time. We take it all the way back to the 90s with Lois Myers and where we began. But in the short period of time after the abolition of slavery in, in Colorado, when they broke ground, things really just started rushing forward. So how has it been watching that? It has been phenomenal. Uh, 
you've done so much, all of you, in that short period of time. And you've brought so many people on board and educated so many folks about the 13th Amendment and what's going on. So, yeah, it's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it, it has been crazy. Uh, it's been a rush. It's been exhilarating. Sometimes it's been uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. There's more than a few times where I felt joy and sorrow all in a mere few moments apart. You know what I mean? Right. Watching uh, things unfold at our, like this shooting in Jacksonville, Florida recently, you know, knowing that this is occurring, but also knowing at the same time we're bringing hope forward. You know, we're, we, we've got something that makes some changes here, fundamental changes starting with the Constitution of the United States of America and the state Constitution, which are the supreme laws of the land. So it's, it has been a, a whirlwind. Uh, my, I guess the highlights for me over these past three years is getting this new family, all the states that we've been working with, you know, we've become close friends and like family and getting to know each other, you know. Like Mark Hughes is like, man, shoot my brother, man. You didn't tell me you didn't bring my office. Come on through and stay in at the house, you know, because uh, it, 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 you have to be like that, you know. It's a labor of love, and, and you're not doing it for yourself. None of us are doing it for ourselves. We are providing a platform for the future that has never existed before, opening a door that has never been opened before so that our children and our grandchildren can walk through that door closer to freedom than they've ever been before. Uh, any comments anybody want to add to that? No. Um, if I if I could real quick, just, just going back to your earlier statement about um, the the emotional roller coaster that this has been, like experiencing moments of joy during moments of sorrow, mm-hmm. um, and even sometimes vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, the first meeting of ASNN took place a day after George Floyd was killed. Right. Heard. You know, uh, the day after. The day after. Mm-hmm. It was It was the day after. I want to say it was like May 27th, May mm-hmm. 26th. Um, and I remember um, before getting on that call, I was I actually had a lot of tears in my eyes um, before getting on that call. You know, just watching um, what was unfolding in, uh, uh, in the Midwest at that time and, um, you know, yet again feeling that hopelessness, that isolation, that um, that inevitable doom that's associated with watching somebody get suffocated to death for, for I want to say, like, what, 11, 12 minutes? I, I could never watch that video. And I remember trying to gather myself before getting on that call and trying to act like everything was all good. Okay. You know, we're getting these organizers on the call. We're going to try to, you know, introduce ourselves and, and you know, let's see where it goes. It, it, we it, didn't it, even have to be a legislator, Sandra Holland. Exactly. exactly. And I I honestly, like, we we didn't even have a name for this. And, there, and we weren't even sure if this was going to be a permanent thing. At first, it was mm-hmm. like maybe we could, like, exchange numbers or, you know, like, it was very, it was so experimental. But the way that I left that call, I, I was able, that carried me throughout the entire week. And it's still carrying me, if I'm being quite honest, man. Um, if it weren't for ASMN and what eventually became ASMN, 
I would feel a lot more hopeless on being confident. Yeah. Like we fight so hard for our freedom and so many people who look like us get snuffed out in the streets like that every single day. Why would I have a reason to believe that things would change? And in this room, I have one, two, three, four, five reasons to think that things will change. Six, six. Mm-hmm. Yes, a word. You said you want to join in? Yeah, you know, so going back to 2020, you know, you and I had just started Abolition Today. Yeah, the day we started the day that Breonna Taylor was murdered. Yeah. You know, March 15th, that was our official broadcast premiere. And when we started, it was sort of like our intention was just get the word out that this is what's happening. Personally, I didn't expect, you know, a national movement to grow out of that. (laughs) You know, it was sort of like, let's just get the word because that's what uh, jailhouse lawyers speak wanted us to do. They wanted us to be out here speaking about the conditions of what was going on. What they said was, Max, you just do what you do. We ain't going to tell you what you do. (laughs) We don't know. He just wants you to keep speaking. Right. You know what I mean? And and I was like, yo, I need a co-host for this. And uh, I asked a few people, and Yusuf was the one that volunteered, and that was the beginning right there. Mm-hmm. And then we, I got a, I got snuck in uh, to the phone. I wasn't invited like everybody right. else. You know what I'm right. saying? I was like, I snuck in. Then the people was like, you know, I need to do more research on this. And everywhere he went, people were like, Max Parker, you need to talk to Max Parker. So he reached out to me, <laughs> and uh, he said, yo, you should be in on this call, man, that we're about to do. And he sent me the link, which was a forwarded link. I didn't even get an original. I actually forwarded it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I forwarded it to Yusuf. I was like, let's go. You know? Let's scratch the party, sort of. So can I just add something really quick? Being someone that was formerly incarcerated, you know, coming from that aspect, when I was incarcerated, I didn't know they had anything like this going on. So to be able to see that you guys are doing something like this and you guys are fighting tooth and nail and going so hard for, you know, this whole movement and for people that are behind the walls and for me to be able to know that this is going on and I can go back and be like, listen, there's a whole national organization. It's people that are that hasn't even been incarcerated and they're going so hard for us, you know, that is well, so we've good. seen this far. Some of us have been because when I was in there, I did not. It's like when you're in there, you feel forgotten about. Like mm-hmm. people don't care about you unless you have family and things like that. But to know and see you guys doing this, it is so like it feels so good. It's it's just such it's such a good feeling to see this, you know. So I want to be able to let people know like there is people out there, you guys, you guys right here that I'm sitting with that really care, you know. So that feels it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, that's a good segue into something. Um, I produced a little track, which is a tribute to the ASNN, and it documents what we have achieved um, over these past few years and what we're still going to achieve. And I put it together. You know, I'm a nerd, uh, you know, very much of a nerd. I'm a fan of anime and things like that. And, you know, on Wednesday they had the live action release of One Piece, which has, like, been out for 30 years. It's the number one anime in the world. Anyway, one of the producers put this track together. Let me spell it. Let me just do it like that. There we go. All right. So um, 
one of the producers put together this track because the protagonist, whose name is Lucy, is a slavery abolitionist. But he's like, he's hardcore. He'll go in and kick all the slavers' asses, and that's how he ends slavery. But they put together this wonderful epic track called The Drums of Liberation. Uh, And I want to share this uh, compilation that I put together with you now. So it's called A Tribute to the AS and 2018 to 2023 and beyond. Abolition. Abolition. We continue covering Colorado First for you tonight at 5. The state just abolished slavery. Today, Governor Hickenlooper signed a law that voters approved back in November. Up until today, Colorado's Constitution allowed slavery as a form of punishment for a crime. Amendment A removes that. Now, the group abolished slavery, slavery Colorado now hopes that this movement will spread. More than just winning a ballot issue in 2018, no, see, we accomplished the first steps in a much larger campaign to shake the very moral foundations of this country. More than 15 other state constitutions still allow slavery as a punishment for a crime. Last year, Senator Justin Wayne led the initiative in the Nebraska legislature to remove language from the Nebraska Constitution that allows the use of slavery and involuntary servitude as a criminal punishment. Tuesday, the people voted, and 68% of Nebraskans voted to remove the language of slavery from the Constitution. Well, Emily, now that the polls have closed and results are being tabulated, we should know in the coming hours if Utahns did make history by becoming the second state in the nation to abolish that language from its constitution. Of course, Colorado, again, being the first state when they did so back in 2018. Now, this ballot measure would repeal the exception referred to as an exception clause for criminal punishment. A yes vote will support removing this language while a no vote opposes the removal of it. This measure does have bipartisan support with the bill to put Amendment C on the ballot passing the legislature unanimously and has already been signed by Governor Jerry Herbert. So Oregon votes yes to remove slavery language from the Constitution. Measure 112 would change Article 1, Section 34 of the Constitution, which used to say there shall be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude in the state otherwise than as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Meaning no slavery here unless you're a prisoner and then you can be considered a slave since we're likely going to force you to work while in custody for, quote, slave wages. So now that part of the Constitution will say there shall be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude in this state, removing the second part of that sentence. Yesterday's election wasn't just about politicians. People also voted on ballot issues. But a big ballot measure in several states involved slavery. And I'm not talking about teaching slavery. I'm talking about actual slavery. Five states were voting on constitutional amendments to ban slavery, and not all of them passed those bans. In all, five states were voting on removing slavery from their constitutions. Vermont, Alabama, Tennessee all voted to ban slavery as punishment for a crime. Louisiana, a former slave state, rejected that amendment. All right, America, four out of five states said no to slavery in the year 2022. That's what I'm talking about. This weekend, Americans celebrated Juneteenth as the country's newest federal holiday, commemorating the day the last of the enslaved in the United States learned they were free. Except, the 13th Amendment abolished most, but not all, slavery. It reads, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except 
as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States, except as punishment for a crime. That loophole allowed another form of slavery, forced prison labor, to thrive and helped create the mass incarceration crisis we have today. But my next guest is trying to change that. Joining me now is the co-sponsor of legislation to revise the 13th Amendment, Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon. Senator Merkley, welcome back to The Sunday Show. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Good to be with you. So when I saw the announcement, the announcement that you put out about trying to fix this, this loophole in the 13th Amendment, it sort of took me by surprise, sort of like the, the, the fact that we had Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Why are, were you so focused on that, and why must this loophole be closed? You know, a few years ago, I watched a documentary, The, the 13th, and uh, we grow up in, in grade school, high school, even in college, learning that slavery ended with the Emancipation Proclamation and with the 13th Amendment, and it turns out that's just not the case. Within, within days of the 13th Amendment being passed, many states were passing laws that made it possible to arrest, convict, and re-enslave black Americans. In fact, Alabama at one point produced some 75% of its revenue convicting and re-enslaving black <laughs> Americans. And these were, these were not crimes that you and all I uh, think of as crimes. These were, these were fake crimes. These were, you changed employers without permission. You're unemployed, you're loitering, you're speaking too loudly, you didn't yield the sidewalk. These were called the, in retrospect, later they were called the Black Coast because they were there for one reason, to arrest any black individual at the whim of the state. Of course, that terrorized people. It broke up families. It destroyed generational wealth. It created mass incarceration. And that mass incarceration reverberates even to this current day. So here we have this, this clause that is a source of huge systemic racism right in the middle of our Constitution. And it needs to come out. And it needs to come out. You just heard the tribute to the AFNN from 2018 to 2023 and beyond. And that was followed by, or that was accompanied by one piece, Drums of Liberation by Overtaken, epic version. Welcome back to Abolition Today, Abolition Today with Max Parsons and Yusuf Hassan. And we're broadcasting live from Denver, Colorado. Indeed, to some epic work. Like, like who's ever heard of this? Right. You know, and it was amazing that all the news clips, they didn't know who the hell we were. You know what I mean? And we did that on purpose in the early stages because we wanted to work under the radar. We wanted to get this done quickly before they could build up a resistance and even understand what we were trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And but we're not under the radar anymore. Right. We <laughs> but we managed to get rid of all of those constitutional amendments in that short time that we were. Right. Uh, but nowadays, we have people literally stand up and give testimony in the courts of legislation, all the legislation that are pro-slavery testimonies. Right. Saying things like, this is the most dangerous bill we've ever seen come through this uh, house. Uh, and saying things like, well, you know, what are we going to do when we let people go? Where are they going to go? Crazy. We want to know all the rapists and child molesters. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody's dream. Prison is a 
pedophiles. Like, what? Like, you're going to let pedophiles out? And misrepresenting what we were trying to achieve, uh, often they confused what we were doing with the prison abolition movement. Right. Uh, you know, and that's just, we're not the same thing, not at all. Uh, we look at this as a crime against humanity, and we are starting with the legality of it. It is literally legal for you, for the state, to own people, and they do. The largest prison population in the history of humanity on planet Earth. We have more black men in cages here in the United States than the top five African nations do combined. The top five populated African nations do combine. And we're not an African nation. And yet we have more black men behind bars than they do combine. It's just outrageous. And, you know, I'm a parent and a grandparent many times over. And one of the worst things I've ever had to do is to know, acknowledge, and then share with my sons that one in three of them expected to go to prison and see it actually happen. In, in front of my face, where they literally end up in prison. So, yeah, that was an epic track, epic accomplishment, and uh, congratulations, A.S. Light. Congratulations. would you like to share some fun? It is so interesting because I have not heard those clips since they happened. Right. So, to actually re listen to that. Listen to like my co-conspirator Javoki, right. you know, talk about how we want to be a movement, yeah. and then here we are in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, it's so wild. My memory popped up because tomorrow was the launch of Amendment A. So we were at City Park with these huge chains with our Amendment A T-shirts giving speeches, breaking the chains of slavery. And so all of this just feels like, and I even feel like emotional all weekend. I'm not hungry. But to listen to that and know that we did that and even just remembering the phone calls from prison, right? Like my phone, all of a sudden, people, I don't even know how they got my number. (laughs) (laughs) But you're using your phone calls. Your money called me, and they were like, so what does this mean, right? And it was like, well, one, nobody better not never call you a slave. Let's start there, right? (laughs) But it gave folks hope, right? And even the idea of what you said, Ophelia, that somebody out there cares about what's happening to us on the inside, right, because unfortunately some people are forgotten and abandoned in prison. So this idea that there's this group of people out there that actually give a damn about what's happening. Well, they've never seen you before. (laughs) That actually care actually made all of this worth it, and actually that's what launched me into being a community organizer, to be really honest, that campaign right there is what made me say, this is what I need to do. The uh, incarcerated currently and formerly incarcerated have played huge roles in everybody's efforts across the country. Uh, as he, Yusuf pointed out, jailhouse lawyers speak is who sponsors us. Uh, yes. You know, currently incarcerated people are the ones who literally paid the bill for us to be able to do our broadcasting in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, 
gave you the story about how it got started, uh, but also some of the people who have introduced bills, like in California, wrote them from inside the prison. Uh, literally wrote the bill for California's ACA3, Stanley Brown, Mm -hmm. while he was incarcerated, and then after 24 years of being incarcerated, finally got out and followed through with the bill and all the way finished line before it was betrayed in the last, last year. But nonetheless, he was the one that did it. When we did Alabama, it was the organizers inside the prison, uh, kinetic justice, uh, then new uh, Hasbarasa, um, uh, that were organizing the prison slave labor work strike. In 2017, the March on Washington, again, the in people who currently uh, incarcerated citizens were the ones that were organizing that. And they organized a march across 17 cities participating with the main march in Washington, D.C. And then to top it all off, they had Mumia call in from prison as one of the keynote speakers, which I was also one of the keynote speakers. That was amazing. So they've been a part of this from the very beginning, if not the ones who started it. So I can ask another question, being the newbie, being the baby, being the baby. So what, 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 what does that mean next? Like what happens next? Like after it gets passed and stuff, like so what does that mean for people that are currently incarcerated? For minute A, we knew that the party didn't stop there, but right. our goal was to open the door, right? That was really what amendment was about. Amendment A was opening the door for litigation and legislation, okay. right? And all we were waiting for was somebody, if we can walk through that litigation door, Right, we couldn't do it because we're not directly impacted. But we were like, "Hey, if somebody's brave enough, we got you. We got your back." And that's literally what we're doing right now in a court case, is providing community support to go ahead and make this a public issue. And then we're going to tackle this with legislation because the policies have to change in order to support this constitutional amendment? Um, right at the very beginning of the ASNN, we had a multi-pronged plan, but we knew we had to do things in a linear fashion. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like step one, step two. Yeah. So step one for us was very simple, enslavement, yeah. right? Yeah. And then step two is to free the enslaved. So the first one we're on, and it is epic. It's, it's truly epic that we have managed to do, have eight states now that have removed these exception clause or have no exception clause. But we've got 42 more to go, <laughs> you know, and a federal amendment, which is going to take some minutes. It took us 158 years to get to this point. Right? We're trying to do it in less than a decade to get these things done. But the second stage cons- consists of challenging the badges and incidents of slavery without the protection of a constitutional amendment. Because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was protecting the institution of slavery. So how, what does this world look like now when that protection doesn't exist? What does the state look like without that protection? And just like in the antebellum period, you're not going to see an immediate overnight change because most people don't even realize there was a change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a nation out there. Exactly. Or a problem, you know? 
So we've been working with multiple attorneys across the country now in places like Colorado and Alabama where they're doing exactly that. They're getting their plaintiffs uh, on board, and they're challenging these badges and incidents. So here it's labor, right, related? Yes. Well, yes, exactly. It's just that forced labor. Forced labor. So involuntary servitude has been abolished here in Colorado, which means now you can challenge it because there's no protection. It says there shall be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude in this state, right? So that's the next step. And that could take a little, a little bit of time because this is all brand new. In Alabama, they're challenging it under the Eighth Amendment as well as the executive uh, order that was issued out there by Governor Kay Ivey. Uh, and what she said was effectively as an executive order regarding good time, uh, earn uh, free time to get out. If you help to organize a labor strike, in any way, or you promote it in any way, it is effectively the same as if you had murdered somebody in Britain. And that is the penalty that you will receive uh, losing all of that time. And you could end up with more time added onto your sentence because now you have committed some imaginary crime that the governor has created. Oh, my God. Right. And so they're dealing with that there. So under the Eighth Amendment, uh, violations, cruel, and their usual punishment, they're challenging it in that way. That's where they're trying to break ground in. Now, other states may do other things because there's a lot of badges and incidents of slavery, whether it is the labor, the violations, the cruel and unusual punishment, mm-hmm. the disenfranchisement, the exploitation, the brutality, all that. It's just so much out there. And it's one of the reasons why Kamau uh, – that is becoming an attorney because this is right ground for attorneys. Like they've never had this much to deal with before. Suddenly, you just threw in a whole bunch of. Uh, it's like a bouquet of flowers. Go ahead and smell it. Which one do you want? You know what I mean? Right. You know, because there's going to be a lot of suits. And in Louisiana, that was their biggest concern. Are they going to sue us? You know, we've been sentencing people to hard labor for decades. Are they going to sue us if we last let this bill pass? That was a big fear for them. And, you know, it's a, I understand the fear, but let me just say this. If you've been committing a crime against humanity, against people of color or any people throughout this country, and you get sued, you deserve to get sued. You should right. be sued. Yeah, should be. I don't know if you want to avoid being responsible for your own actions. This is not 1920 or 1820. This is 2023. And even in places like Louisiana, they were still using Jim Crow laws, like the 10 and 2 verdicts, where in Arkansas and Louisiana, you could be convicted with a life sentence or even get death on a 10-2 verdict, where only 10 jurors vote in, uh, be guilty and 2 abstain. And the reason they had this set up was because they were being forced to incorporate black jurors, but they could eliminate them through the 10-2. So you could say, not guilty. And they get 10 white people to say, yes, you are guilty. Yes. The next steps for this. And, you know, normally I wouldn't expose our next move like this, but they already know. Uh, we, 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 they already they know, know that. Now. Yeah, they know now. They, it's no longer a secret. You know, I've always said that when Colorado happened, that was sort of like a sneak attack, but they kind of looked at it as a one-off. And then when Nebraska and Utah happened, it was sort of like, wait a minute now, what's going on? And then when the Freedom Five happened, then they say, wait a minute, 
This is like this is for real. <laughs> and it's spreading all over the country now. You know, people talk about red states, blue states. I mean, it's happening everywhere. I mean, Alabama and Tennessee have abolished slavery. I mean, just think about that. With Tennessee being the birthplace of the Ku Klux Klan, right? You know, and Alabama, like, you know, uh, uh, all of the stuff that goes on in Alabama. Old Connor's Old Connor, exactly. You know, just to, just to think of Selma and Bloody Sunday and all of the things that happened down there. The voting, the uh, what do you call the poll tax and literacy tax, you know, just everything. And like when uh. Connecticut came on the show, and he was like, man, Alabama is not going to change their mind on everything. You know, when they wanted to end slavery, they had to come down there with guns, and then they went back to doing slavery again, and they, with the convict leasing, they had to come back with guns to make them stop. And he said, that's the only thing they understand down there is bloodshed and money. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if I were a governor or even a president, and as aware as I am of what's happening in Alabama, I would call out the National Guard to protect the citizenry from the police and from the courts because they are so corrupt that they have become nothing but a slave trade yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Like even yeah. the labor aspect, like the hamburgers you buy at McDonald's are processed in Alabama prisons. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and what the hell does a prison or an inmate have to do with an international corporation's goods and services. Like, well, what does that happen? Those are jobs other people on the outside are supposed to be doing, not exploiting prisoners who are getting paid three cents an hour. I guess they are doing those things, right? Because one thing that I meet when I say, people who are incarcerated, they want to work, yes. right? They don't, nobody wants to just lay on a cell and stare up at the ceiling all day. Right? People want work. They want meaningful work. They want dignified work. Or education. And they deserve work in the same protections that we have right. out yeah. there. Right? So if there's a McDonald's burger, if he gets injured while making those patties, mm-hmm. he's protected by OSHA, workman's comp, et cetera, et cetera, time off. All of those for the person that is incarcerated does not have any of those. None of them can't even call in to be sick. So the thing is, is not get rid of work, right? right? But how do we make it so that they have those same protections, those same rights, and also that same pay? Yes. Uh, you're actually stealing money from the victim's fund when you don't pay the inmates. Uh, you know, there's this victim's fund that they're trying to mm-hmm. cover in and make a cause for what has happened to those people. But how are you going to put anything in there when you're making three cents an hour? Right. You know, and then what do you come out with? Curtis Davis, who is now on the phone right now, would come up, come out trying to arrange his flight to have some difficulties. He said when he got out of prison, he got out with like $100 after 26 years in prison. What are you going to do with $100? And you worked uh, 26 years. You worked in this prison, and you walk out with $100. And that's literally what they give you. You get $100 in walk money, a great sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the gates open. You, if you don't have a ride, that hundred dollars better get you back to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. But we know a hundred dollars—that's but lunch most of the time, right? Lunch fare to wherever you're going, and that's it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. I didn't even get that. Yeah, I didn't even get that. You can't even sue 
you are. Right, like Richard Kidd. Nothing for the time that you are. Yes, and he, he wasn't, he didn't serve time and was freed after serving his time. He was exonerated. He was yeah. able to that found out they were yeah, unlawfully incarcerated. And they didn't compensate him for his loss of time. Nothing. I think he didn't make right? Clarence Moses L., who was incarcerated, he went into prison and his child was two years old. When he walked out, found innocent of the crimes that he had been accused of, he had grandchildren. Yes. Wow. Yes, right. How, how do you compensate somebody for that? Right. And so even then, you know, Colorado has it where there is money that, you know, you should be able to receive. But one, he had to fight. We had to fight to give him the compensation, which you can never give that time, no. right? No. You can never give that time. But we had to fight for him to even receive what the state of Colorado so he was being treated like a criminal even after he had been proven. Even after he had been proven. And the whole premise of him going, he went to jail based on someone said that he she had a dream. Wow, a dream. Wow. How was that even admissible? Look it up. It's literally the same. Oh, yes. Yeah. You already know. Yeah. Right, right. That was really a rhetorical yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> When the crime happened, he was in the police station. He was in the police station. <laughs> so that, I mean, all the intentionality of getting folks, yes. getting bodies in those beds. The word railroading means a lot here in yes. the United States. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of railroading going on in places like Louisiana. They have the highest exoneration rates in the country because they've just been arresting all these people who have been completely innocent. Only because they, uh, it's, it's almost vengeance they're looking for, or an exercise of their hate uh, expressed through capturing and incarcerating anybody that they can. Mm-hmm. You know how often uh, they run up on people go, you fit the description just right. because of the color of your skin, not because of your height, your weight, your hair, anything else, just because you're black. And so you fit the description. Um, I'm glad to see you back. <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. worked out, working out over there. Oh, everything's good. Everything's good. You know, one thing that we always uh, try to be mindful to do in ASMN is to take care of all of our members and to make sure that when we host someone and they're flying back home, that they make it back home. And so I got off the phone with uh, Brother Curtis Davis, worked out some stuff with his layover in Dallas, and you know, much love to him. And I'm, I'm so glad that the network is able to support our members. This Awesome. That's awesome. We we are like family, you know. Oh, 100%. All right. So we still got some music for you guys tonight. Uh, We've got some tracks that are going to explain more about what we're doing here. There's a professor of Brown University who is an expert in particularly 13th Amendment, but in constitutional law. And he talks a little bit about the limitations of the 13th Amendment. You know, because when we were coming up in school and university, we didn't know none of this. Nobody was teaching us this. They were just telling us that Lincoln freed the slaves, Superman Lincoln, and they had statues with black people down on their knees, kissing his foot and all that. You know, like, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Abraham Lincoln. 
So we learned that in, in school. Nobody ever said anything to us about convict leasing. Nobody ever said anything to us about Jim Crow. We didn't right. hear about any of that. We didn't hear about the vagrancy laws, the black coats, the pig laws, but he did. Uh, so we're going to play that, and then we're going to bring uh, a little bit of a, a favorite from Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you want to hit it? We can hit it all, man. Let's get it. Abolition. Abolition. The assumption of African Americans who saw this amendment was that this was the amendment that gave them equality, a road to citizenship, a road to equal suffrage, a road basically to a country where there would be no distinctions by color. Now, that said, because of the wording of the amendment, it did have limits. It was declarative only, didn't really give any rights because it doesn't give any explicit rights. So it leaves as an open question what rights are attached to freedom. Also, one other example of a limitation is it uh, possesses a clause that says there is an exception to this, to this business of slavery not existing anymore. And the exception is, but for crimes whereby those who have been accused have been convicted. So that if you've been accused of a crime and convicted, you could have your freedom abridged or taken away. You could be treated as an involuntary servant. And that's what ends up happening in the late 1800s and early 1900s, well into the 20th century. Criminals are sometimes imprisoned. Their labor is treated as slave labor. They are leased out, sometimes in large groups, to private contractors or farms. They are even sometimes put in chains. And for the most part, these prisoners I'm talking about are African-American. The most common crime would be non-payment of debts. Uh, and of course, many of these former slaves are in debt. Uh, and if they can't pay the debt, then they become criminals. Then they find themselves in chains in these places. And it looks an awful lot like slavery. And so you can understand the confusion and ultimately the great resentment that the very measure uh, which a generation of African-Americans assumed was their ticket to absolute equality and the end of these sorts of things could also be used uh, to preserve a kind of slavery in this country. Bring that shit in!
Enter the Vagrancy Act of 1866. What was the Vagrancy Act? Well, I'll tell you. The Vagrancy Act said that anyone who appeared to be homeless, i.e., former slaves, would be captured, arrested, put involved in chains, and forced to work for free. In other words, they were still enslaved, except now that institution was further protected by the Constitution. I'm going to do a part three, but tag someone who you think needs to be reminded that slavery is still legal in America. looks an awful lot like slavery. No more lies. No more lies. No more lies. Abolition. 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 So you just heard professor of history at Brown University, Michael Vorenberg, speaking on the limitations of the 13th Amendment. And you heard Rage Against the Machine tell you to do what? 
Say what? And that was followed with a clip from Stanley TV, America Never Abolished Slavery. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. And we are broadcasting live from Denver, Colorado. So, man, so much to unpack from that track right there. But before we jump into it, uh, we got a caller. And I want to bring our call in. This is one of definitely fans of the show, great contributor, our brother Tony Crane out of New York. Tony, welcome to Abolition Today. Tony Peace, there. brother. Peace. Yes, yes, Peace. indeed. Peace. How's it going? Sure, Nothing much. I was, uh, I would have been on earlier, but I was doing a bit of traveling today. I just actually got set up. How you brothers doing? Uh, we experienced some joy up in here tonight. That's what we doing. We experiencing some pride, some joy, some celebration, and as we said, even in the midst of sorrow. Uh, that's something that we uh, have always done as a people, is to be able to find moments of joy in the midst of sorrow. Yes. Right. Indeed. Right. That's you. Indeed. So what's yes, up, indeed, brother? What's your question or comment, Tony? Oh, just um, I just wanted to say peace to everyone. Um, I'm gonna sit here and enjoy the rest of the show because, like I said, I just I'm late. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Peace and blessings to everybody. Um, much love. My love goes out to all of you, and uh, I'll still remain on. And if I if I I'll, I'll tag in if I uh, do want to make a comment, but I'm just catching up. All right. All right. Thank you, brother. Yeah, Tony Crane is uh, pretty awesome. Uh, hip-hop artist, writer, lyricist, uh, has his own label now, I believe. He just released the album, which uh, has a single by yours truly on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and what we just heard, you know, taking the power back, uh, this uh, constitutional attorney really breaking down how the 13th Amendment had these limitations that they knew from the very beginning, and, of course, signing TV at the end, explaining how in 1866 they started enacting these vagrancy laws. I mean, you didn't even have to be a vagrant. You just had to appear to be a vagrant. And that was enough for them to put you in a jail cell or a prison cell and then lease you out to uh, a mine or a railroad or a plantation where you could literally end up being worked to death. The average lifespan of those who were involved in convict leasing was 10 years. That's so heavy. Uh, Brother Kamal, uh, thoughts on that? And uh, the number one thing that just keeps going through my mind um, is something that uh, one of our members, Dennis Fibo, mentioned earlier this uh, weekend. When asked, how do you define slavery, of course, he was well aware of uh, uh, the, 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 you know, oh, the, the harbors the, the, the I'm so sorry. I always have a hard time saying it. Harvard Bellagio. Yeah, the Bellagio definition of slavery, uh, which really focuses on the property status of a, of a human being while while, uh, uh, while serving time. But he said something that was really poignant. He said that slavery is a uh, legal uh, is an illegal legal status. Mm-hmm. And you think about. Um, you know, just the arbitrariness of the laws that were used to criminalize uh, whole swaths of people, our people. Mm-hmm. 
all of that was done under a legal apparatus. Mm-hmm. All of that was um, was was legal to do in, in, in terms of uh, creating laws to criminalize people. Like casual killing act. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And the, and the black code laws and, and you know, like everything that was used to put it back on plantation. But what Dennis Fibo was referring to with the illegal legal status was the illegality of slavery internationally. Right. It, it should be illegal. It, it, it should already be illegal, but, you know, Slavery uh, persists through these uh, uh, through these legal badges and incidents. And uh, when I think about the history of convict leasing, the ways in which slavery has been extremely persistent in our society, we have to understand that we are not fighting some. We're not fighting a group of bad faith actors that are working under under the cover of uh, like you know like undercover and you know all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. We are fighting a legal apparatus that still fully maintains these systems. Right. Um, so that, that's, that's my comment. You know, what I want to do is we've done a little bit about the past. Let's go into the present, right? Mm-hmm. We had a hell of a weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's start from day one. Day one was everybody was flying in, some early, some late, and then we ended up having this amazing dinner uh, with Sister Sharon at her house. Uh, who, who wants to tell us a little bit about that and uh, what occurred there, and your feelings on. I mean, I I definitely don't mind, but I, I'm gonna pass the mic to Kim Ray. Well, one, I just want to talk about Miss Sharon. Miss Sharon, okay. yes. Well over 25 years of work here in Colorado, right? And um, definitely an elder, and like a mother of a movement is what I would call her because she was there from Amendment T to Amendment A and she's still rocking the mm-hmm. right? um, Corpse tops. Colorado, yeah. and you just had a whole table full of people. We must have had a 
thousand years of organizing at that table, you know, com- of combined effort from all over the country. Yeah. You know, we we had, I didn't even really take it in my mind, how many states we had represented mm-hmm. there, but it had to be at least seven states at least being yeah. represented in the room, you know, and it was just so epic to just be part of that, that we won't really even understand the magnitude of it. We have our feelings right now, but somewhere, somewhere in the timeline, someone's going to say, man, that was a huge right there. I think Ms. Sharon understood the magnitude of it because it, 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 she expressed it in her emotional yeah. it, it, it realized what, and now we're all together sharing our wisdom and our experiences and just breaking bread together under the, under the Lord, you know what I mean? Like right. looking down on us. Um, it was incredible. Like the one one of the uh, first things I said as we were doing a round of introductions was, "This table is a dream come true." Right. <laughs> it is literally a dream come true, and I will hold on to that dinner for as long as I live, because right there was a table of possibility, a table where. Um, not only are we leading a national movement, but we are transforming and redefining democracy. Yes. yes. It is a big, that table was a big deal. Right. Yes. I remember you saying, um, this is now, here is, at this point, my favorite moment. Yes. You know, all of this in the streets to, like, learning how to build power in community. 
And Ms. Sharon Bridgeforth was one of the first people that I met there. And I realized, oh, shoot, I've seen Ms. Sharon, like, my whole life, mm. like, in Denver. You know what I mean? Like, she has been present in, throughout my entire life. And as I got a chance to get to know her, I, I, I got a chance to know what Kim was referring to. And Miss Sharon really just wants to make a difference in the world. She works so hard, and um, she has seen things that are just completely unimaginable to my to my own eyes. You know, Miss Sharon has has seen it all, been through it all, and to see her, um, you know, really achieve what she set out to achieve really almost brings tears yes. to my eyes. I love Miss Sharon. And what did she say? It's 40 years now of uh, Together Colorado, right? That's right. 40 years of Together Colorado. And she is acting as president at this point? Uh, she was She was our C3 board president. C3 board president. And because they're never going to let her go, um, she is now our C4 for president of states in Colorado. Yes, that Friday uh, was beautiful, magical, um, and it gave all of us an, a sense of communion because many of the states that were there, in those states that they're working in, it's only a few of them, you know what I mean? And it can feel kind of lonely, but when you come at a point like that, like it's not just me, I'm not alone, there's another person there, mm-hmm. you know, who feels the same and sees the same and understands the same, and the thread that you have manifested is now part of a group that is holding it all together, you know, it's a beautiful thing. So let's go to the next day. The next day was, the, I guess, the main event, right? Mm-hmm. There was quite a bit that happened the next day. <laughs> so we, uh, we had the event that we were holding at Brother Jeff's Cultural Center, uh, a wonderful location, and I especially like the sign on the outside with the abolitionists. Uh, I, uh, up there on it, and mm-hmm. the picture that we took under that sign is an epic. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. right. Exactly. Going to be an epic picture. We had some shortcomings there in the beginning, so you know we're putting on a presentation. These things never go the way you expect them to go. Right. So we were able to manage our way through it fluidly, and the audience had no idea at all that there was any errors or anything that was wrong. All they saw was this wonderful, moving, educational presentation that was that with these people from all over the country who came in um, uh, in Denver, Colorado, where it all began, the fruit coming back to the tree, you know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. where it all began. And we put on a wonderful presentation that included spoken words, the tribal rain. Yes, uh, we had a, a fantastic panel of people representing, representing yeah. in the panel talking about not only their connection to the movement but what they're going through in their different cities. And it was hosted by Kim and Cabal. Uh, you, anybody want to share their experiences or stories behind that? Yeah. I think I will say a little bit of a little something. Um, you know, me being the newbie, I'm going to keep saying that because I am the newbie and I'm just learning about all this stuff. And, you know, I was up there and I'm, I'm still learning all this stuff, even sitting here. I'm sitting here taking notes, listening. And I felt like I should not have been up there with you guys. You guys are the experts. You guys are saying all the stuff that you guys know. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what I'm going to say, but if somebody asks me something and I don't know what I'm supposed to answer back. But what I really enjoyed about it is I talk about my lived experience, me being incarcerated, and has to do with all this stuff. And so, you know, my nerves was catching up to me, and, 
whatever. And what was really moving to me was when this woman came up to me, and she was like, you know, thank you for doing this work. You know, I'm from New Hampshire, too. And I was like, wow, you know, I didn't expect to see someone out there from New Hampshire. She's like, because I'm, you know, me being from there, I know what you're going through there, and they do not have anything like this work that you're doing. So you are definitely doing God's work there. And she just started crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't cry. You need to cry because, like, I know the work that I'm doing there, and it feels like a lot of the time I'm doing it by myself. I feel alone. I cry all the time because I feel like it is very hard, especially being from a state where it's predominantly all white people. She was a white lady. You know, it feels it does feel very lonely. And so that's why meeting you guys, and I feel like it's a family now, and I'm connecting with you guys. It feels good. But to hear her say that, and she's like, thank you so much because I know it's hard. And she's like, they don't teach this already enough as it is in the school. So being there and doing this, I really appreciate you doing that. So just to see that while I'm learning and going out and trying to do this work that I do, if I can just touch one person, I say it all the time, I know that I'm, I'm doing the right thing. So to have her come up to me and say that, and she was in tears, it was a beautiful thing. Yes. Uh, you know, so I just think you that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number of came up to me as well with some stories, you know, and thanking us for the work that we were doing. But I think for, for me, my, my favorite moment was something where I managed to, it was kind of vicarious that I was living at the moment because it was Miles' father and uncle. And I know I had talked to his uncle before, you know, so I kind of knew him, but I never talked to his father. And they both came to me and we had a nice little conversation and they were so proud of him. And I was, you know, I've lost my father a couple of years ago. I lost my uncle, who was like a father figure to me. And I was like, you know, that's my Uncle Joey. <laughs> that's my dad. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to know that they got to see that, that what he had put together, the dream he had manifest, the shared dream that we all had that had been manifest. That was a special moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hearing you say that, Max, uh, you know, my mom listens all the time, you know, and, you know, my father was just learning of the show and everything, and when I went back to Baltimore and I was meeting all of his neighbors, I didn't realize how much he talked about abolition today. And so I was kind of like going up and down the block having to explain to everybody about the podcast, and he said, because that's all your father used to talk about was this podcast, you know, and so... You know, you, that just evoked uh, memories of, of that. Uh, I'm just so happy that his father. Yeah. See, see that? We had the nephew of Huey P. Newton was there. Yeah. You know, uh, his nephew was there. I, how fast the room filled up the Friday. It's sort of like when you have events, people kind of like trickle in. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go, when you start, you get five people. And then, oh. No, well, when you we started like they were ready long before us. They had no problem speaking up. It was the fat house in the beginning, yep. From the very start. Our kids seems like you got something you want to share. No, I was just thinking, you know, just how much we all like love, you know, and what's really special about that moment is that from the very first organizer who started this. who passed on to Rashawn, Mm -hmm. built the coalition for Amendment A. Mm -hmm. And then it passed on to Kamal, who put 
pushed us right on over that finish line to passing it on. And then here I am, just, you know, in the next iteration of Enslaved Colorado, for all of us to be in the same room together was actually really, like, and the fact that we're all still, like, right. super connected, right. right, was really almost kind of surreal. And I wanted to say, I was like, we need a picture. I was like, we need a picture. Uh, and then Mike, who's the executive director for, in, for you know, for Together Colorado, was there. And for him to see what, you know, just his little bit of support has grown into, right, and actually blown him away, mm. right? Yeah, Mike. Mm-hmm. And so that was yesterday. Well, this weekend was super special. But yesterday was, you know, some of the folks have been with us since day one, mm-hmm. right? And then we had a group of folks who were new to this and was like, and the energy was, how do I get involved, right? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? What do you need me to do, <laughs> right? Take my information down because we need to talk, you know, like it. You have a mixture to do it, too. We yeah. did. Senator Coleman, mm-hmm. uh, who is. Yeah, he's amazing, and he's a huge, been a huge supporter, you know, from day one. If I remember correctly, he was like, you know, I'm going to contact the governor and tell him to talk to you people. Actually, he did. He actually said, I have shared this information with the governor that you all have this event, and that, like, y'all want to meet with him. And so he's even willing to use his political capital to help push our issue. That's awesome. Uh, just, again, match uh, moments, you know what I mean? Uh, just get a little emotional reliving and remembering it, and it'll carry us for quite some time. Uh, so that went off. I, I wouldn't say it went off without a hitch, but the hitches became part of the character of it all. You know what I mean? You know, we turn the hitches into character. You know, we turn these scars into beauty marks, <laughs> and it was really nice. We did take a little bit longer than we expected, but I think everybody was like, you could have stayed here another hour, and we would have been with you, you know what I mean? So that was great. Because people had questions, yes. right? So nobody was checking their clock. Right, we right. Clock, right? <laughs> but really and truly, people, like, when we said we're opening it up for questions, the amount of hands that flew through our actually says that they were really, really, like, engaged and wanted more. And exactly, they would have stayed with us if the program kept going, even when it ended, look at the number of people that stuck around. Yes, it's at the very end. And that wasn't the end of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that, that was not the end of it. After we were done with the presentation, we made history by recording the speech by Frederick Douglass of 1865 when William Lloyd Garrison moved to disband the American Anti-Slavery Society on the grounds that the 13th Amendment had been passed or ratified by a sufficient number of states. And Frederick Douglass in that speech was like, hold on a minute. The job of the abolitionists is not done. And at the end, he's like, you know, we got to, it's that famous quote, he says, we got to see, uh, we have to watch and see what new form this monster will come in, what right. new skin this old snake will come forth in, and we have seen that. 
You know what I mean? Right. So we broke it into 13 parts, and we had 13 uh, people come together and do each a small part. And we're going to be working on the post-production and get that out as soon as possible, but we made history for it by being the first people to record that speech. I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. Um, organizers and community members from, you know, Denver and people who've been doing this work, Ms. Lee, Ms. Vicki, Ms. Sharon, who have all been part of this since right. like, the beginning. I mean, Ms. T, they were the ones that have been in this fight from day one. From day one. Um, to see them be part of that, I think, was, and to be invited to be part of that. The community was invited in actually really, truly makes this like feel like a grassroots movement because without community, we can't do it. Right. It takes a village to do all of what we've been doing. There's no, you know, there's a lot of superheroes, and I personally believe that there was no point in history where one person was not enough to make all the change that was needed. But it was never, it's never always just that one person. It's that something brought you to that point. People brought you to that point. And it's, People will carry that point afterwards. It's, you know, passing the baton from one person to another. Uh, but chaos is subject to initial conditions. And all you need is small perturbations in the system's dynamics mm-hmm. to change the entire system. Yeah, right. You know, so never underestimate the effects of the small things that you do. Because that could change everything forever. Uh, and that uh, coming together, all of those small perturbations that we make, <laughs> Coming together turned it into a thunderstorm right out there in Denver, Colorado, at Brother Jess on that day. And then we were done. Like we, we, right. we well, did a full day. That was just the start because we packed up. And we, I, think, I think we got something first. We had dinner. Yeah. We got some lunch at the oh, hotel. Right. The lunch. Set up for us especially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we got our lunch and uh, had our gathering there. got to meet Soul for the first time. All right. <laughs> and then we went and had our, what, what, did, we call, we, what did we call it? Our strategy session. And that was several hours long. Most of hours. And it wasn't just us. Like, we had this big circular, t- uh, you know, view area of tables. And then we also had the big screen with the space mm-hmm. that were unable to make it were there in Zoom. So it must have been about 30 or 40 of us at the, at the top, at a, at a top point. And we went over our strategy of the future because there is a future for slavery abolition. Mm-hmm. And we do have a plan, and we do have strategies, and we do have goals, and we take it out across the line, uh, across the line of the wall, which is beautiful to see the timeline. Shit to do. Uh, go ahead and share your thoughts on that, if you don't mind. You know, the biggest thing for me was the unity in thought. Like, when we were doing a lot of our writing, you know, we're doing it on our own. It wasn't like we were speaking. and So people wrote us their thoughts on their own, what they had planned, all of these things. And then when we start bringing it out, it was like everybody was on the same page. Yeah. You know, and that was that's huge when you have a movement like this. Everybody has to be on the same page or else Everything. the narrative changes. You know, then people start splintering off because they're like, oh, that group is crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. So you see that, and, man, the future looks so great. 
looking at that timeline, seeing, you know, the rest of this year, next year, 25, 26, just seeing things of like, wow, man, this is the vision, the vision, not your vision, the vision, and, you know, God willing, it's definitely going to happen. Highlight off of that, you know, um, sometimes as organizers and being a leader, you're just always going, 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 and sometimes you're so take the time to just stop and just, you know, think about things and just to be able to put it on paper. And then, like right now, I'm looking back at just yesterday. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, I, I am doing something. We are doing something. Mm-hmm. To see it, and like how you said that, and then we were starting to talk about like, okay, what do you have written down? All, all of our values and what we're mm-hmm. trying to do is all the same. It just really puts things in perspective, and it's actually visualize what the timeline looks like, and it's like, okay, this is something really big. We're doing some great things. I really enjoy that, you know? Yeah, so that's sure. what I took from that. Just actually seeing it on paper, it's like, okay, I'm actually doing something. I'm getting something, you know, instead of having it all in my head. Did you want to share something? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. That everybody was on the same line. We were writing down the same thing, watching go up on the board and see that time span and what we could do in that time span as a unit, as an as a organization, mm-hmm. was powerful. Mm-hmm. We need power planning to tell, you know, like where do we want people to land, right? I know. Where do we want people to go? Um, and these with, right? So it's really thinking and to see all of that planning and that thinking, you know, and see like, wow, like what? People are buying into what we're selling, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's also the big thing of like, oh, okay, you guys are, and seeing where we, you know, where we couldn't go, right? Because that was the vision. and to see that people do have a vision mm-hmm. and, and then that, like, there was cohesiveness and the idea of uh, being able to, like, we saw organizers from different states jump in and help each other when we that there were gaps in our work and what was maybe missing or what have you. And we jump in and make those connections with, like, oh, well, I know somebody that can help you out there. Mm-hmm. And all of those things was actually super, it's like, for me, unlocked something completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Of that unity of like, no, we're part of a vehicle that's moving power and shifting power. Mm-hmm. And that we're all in this together. That actually was that, to me, that's beautiful. Yes. And very interesting, as uh, Ophelia said, it was educational, um, sure. you know, and inspirational. And we, we do have a strategy. We do have a plan. There is a future for uh, about the slavery uh, movement across the country and also international implications, as we discussed yesterday, because, you know, this is not something that is limited to U.S. borders. We've imported or exported it out to other countries who have copied this prison-for-profit model just like the Nazis copied the Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the uh, Jim Crow and the convict leasing and all of the slavery and all of that in order to use it in the Third Reich. Uh, so there's countries across this globe now 
who are using this system of for-profit prisons to incarcerate their own citizens and make other citizens pay for it. Like in Turkey, they uh, said they were going to build over 200 new prisons for insurgents, and they was talking about the courage. Remember when uh, Trump said, we're going to take our protection away from the courage? Well, that was because they finished building those 200 some odd prisons. Right. And they started putting the courage in there, and they just Right, exactly, exactly. And then you have places like South Africa and Ghana where their prison populations are so overwhelming that it is a human rights crisis of the highest order where you've got 30, 40 people in a cell that are built for three people or four people, you know, and they're not receiving nourishment, not being fed, there's no medical treatment. Basically, they're just there to die. You know, right. it's horrible conditions. So if we can do it here, they can do it there. I'm pretty sure, and I know, because we've spoken to some yeah. leaders of state, yeah. like the Queen of Benin, mm-hmm. who has been on our program and is very much uh, cognizant of the work we're doing and how it may affect her own nation. Right. You know, I remember when, uh, was it Jamaica was looking for some money? Yes, and they yes. told them reparations. Yes, they were looking for reparations. They said, no, we well, can just yep. build a prison. It was the British. Yeah. Yes. The British prime minister comes over to Jamaica. Jamaica's like, we demand reparations. And the British prime minister comes over and goes, I got an idea. We'll help you build, build some prisons, and that'll be your reparations. And you can put the people in the prison and make the money and keep the money. Part of it. We'll keep the other part. <laughs> you know? That was literally what they offered for reparations for Jamaica. Yeah, yes. It's a a global economic development plan. Yes, it has become an economic development program. It can't get any grosser. What? (laughs) They take it up a notch. (laughs) Uh, And that was not the end of our uh, efforts either. We had a wonderful dinner after the strategy session. Uh, We went, uh, we built up like three tables. it was just like, you know, three, four, six, thirty 30 feet down the line. Right. Hold on. You can see it. It was awesome. And uh, then, of course, with it culminated here in Denver, Colorado, with the Abolition Today special broadcast live from this location. We're doing it. We're a part of it. That's right. Bringing it all together. Um, we've only got about 20 minutes worth of time left. And of that 20 minutes, five minutes, I want to share a one more track. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into one more music educational track, and then when we come back, we want to get final comments. But I don't want you guys to you know, to just run out the room after we're done because we have one last segment that we'll be sharing, which is our Bridging the Gap segment. We always feel like we need to learn from our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And so every week we play speeches from them. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have people record them for us because they've never been recorded before so that we can play them on air. And this week we got a special broadcast from Frederick Douglass, read by Steve Davis. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy it because he focuses on what happened after the 13th Amendment this past week. So uh, let's go ahead and get into that track. Uh, if you want to introduce it, use it. Sure, this is the Amend the 13th remix with Max Parfus, I've heard of him, <laughs> giving a speech in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, you, you listen to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back. Abolition. Abolition. Today. So, I'm just saying to you today that you need to do two things. It's very important that you do these two things. One, get your language right. Call it what 
what it is, that it's so important. The time was right. When you start calling it what it is, that helps you to understand what you're dealing with and the people around you can have a clearer understanding of what they're talking about. And the other thing is to change your mind. Change your mind. Revolution doesn't start in the streets. It starts in your mind. Change your mind about what you're dealing with. Start calling it slavery. Start acting like it's slavery. Start talking to your congressmen and your senators and your prosecutors. And when you say to them, we want to end this problem, and he says, what problem? You don't say mass incarceration. You don't say over-criminalization. You say slavery. And they say, what slavery? Read the 13th Amendment. I call a spade a spade is straight up slavery. So-called ended extended to the third degree involuntary servitude. I ain't with it. Sitting through a five with a ten and I did it. I'm in the thirteenth if real freedom exists. Reparations can't give back what I've missed. Home on parole just calculated the risk. So it's back to the block with them dimes and nicks with citivism. Trying to paralyze the energy, suppress the ambitions of a black man. Listen, I'm fed up. Still walk with my head up and lead by example. Something most men can't do. That prison labor wouldn't wish that on my worst neighbor. Oppression in the truest form results to poor behavior. And it occurs on the norm. Swarm like them bees in the trees to find unity. Empower all affected. Let's build our community. Peace, peace. Slavery, the 13th Amendment, 96 crime bill, we mostly defendants, broken descendants, your folk reap the benefits, the humanize a brother so we won't reach the census, three-fifths, is he part of the population, we pissed, we started an operation, supremacists will argue it's not a racist system while we massively incarcerated, the facts would be hard to face it, try to practice the art of patience, black and brown, we always sanction, uh, Cheap labor need larger payment. Crack era sentence with the lifers. It's opioid and now we got a crisis. Yeah. The American flag should be tagged with three marks of the sixes. Cause they used to hang us in the park by the fences. Don't care about the suffixes or prefixes. Slavery never was abolished, they remixed it. The proclamation was a prop for the clan. They freed us, but with no crops and no land. So they did free labor when they let us be in the can. Cause we were sourced to crime when trying to feed the fam. Had brushes with the law, stay consistent. Been arrested 14 times, no conviction. Pugilism came out swinging, sunny listing. And I represented myself, that boy different. My folks built this country, how we lazy. And we bring in all of the culture, cause we wavy. Me work for 33 cents, you must be crazy. The government wants some of my time, they got to pay me. Michelle Alexander with the new Jim Crow. Saw Abish 13th and I was like, whoa. Black codes, they were incarnified. Involuntary servitude, I was victimized. So I became the sharecropper. Couldn't pay the fee, live a life of vagrancy. Couldn't pay the debt of a sharecropper. And now, I'm in the penitentiary. I need that real emancipation. No slavery, don't exploit my situation. No progress without struggle like growth. In November's ballot question, thanks to FIFO. Hurt the bottom line of them corporations. No more making money off incarceration. 
I'm in the 13s with no hesitation So I can talk about my mule and my reparations Uncle's the father snatched out of the home uh, Leaving mothers and children all alone So taking collect calls over their telephones And for black people, such a familiar song Not a crack baby, but was born in the 80s Reagan made a deal to keep my family having great needs Seven uncles most of them were doing time, all was a flash before my eyes, we don't say cheese. Got no manners, so most of my homies take pleas. Get released to keep their freedom, gotta pay fees. See the orange uniform is for the worst team. Coming for the bottom, play it off like an eight feet. Rules like potato salad, man, who may be? One out of every four in prison skin is like me. Like me. Decades after they implemented the 13th. Numb to the pain like we chugging Malibu Bay. <laughs> de tu espíritu prende te queda dentro viene tu luz alumbra ilumina tu camino vive tu vida tienes un destino oye me coge de te consejo tú eres libre desde tu creación deja que tu existencia y tu presencia y tu tan amor y alumbre la tierra y ay como nos vamos a elevar no hay que sufrir y no hay que llorar marchen hacia adelante como un elefante pa'lante la lucha y echamos pa'lante no es verdad si no es en libertad no es verdad si no es en libertad before Christopher sailed the harbor His story that he tells, he's a tells a monster And even in those tales of his story They don't never talk about how they came to conquer What about the Olmecs? Wisdom of the Toltecs Gold tip arrowheads to stretch them like a flex. Powers in the march, the artists in the protest Jim Crow laws and you can hang them by the throat next Thirteenth Amendment, the dirt is extensive Based on principles, some folks be suspicious Even the school systems will school you to miss this And this is how I move, how I move with the business This is endless Abolition, abolition Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org With Max Parkers and Yusuf Hassan You were just listening to Max Parkers speaking on the correct language to be used when you're talking about this. Don't call it mass incarceration. Don't call it any of those other terms. You must call it slavery. And that was in Columbus, Ohio, and it was followed up by the amended 13th cipher by our brothers out there in New Jersey, Dennis Spebo and his entire crew. So uh, we're going to go around and get last comments from yeah, everybody. Come to the conclusion of our program, and yes. time flies even faster than we wanted to. Um, so let's start with Sister Kim. Uh, Kim, any final comments? Okay. I want to say thank you, one, for having me on the show. Thank you for coming to Denver, Colorado, for getting back. Um, we are working to push Governor Polis to be to lead the way once again and to end slavery. We have a petition on our website, enslaverycolorado.org. Please visit. We are accepting signatures from everywhere. Mm. Enslaverycolorado.org. Get your ass over there and sign that petition. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us today. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Uh, Sister Ophelia. First of all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, The comment that I want to make is that this weekend was really like an educational weekend for me. And I'm just like a prime example of how the system is broken and how they really keep this stuff from us. And that I'm 38 years old and I'm just learning all this stuff now. So I'm really grateful to learn all this and I'm taking this all back to New Hampshire. So New Hampshire, be ready. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Travel rain. 
as always. It is wonderful to be here on the program. And for those of you out there who would like to support us, go to AS, what is abolishslavery.us, and hit the donation button. You can make a donation to the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. Uh, once again, thank you for having us. Right, thank you, Travel Ray. And we're thinking about the money, boy. We got, we do need some resources. We do. Uh, you got to do a job. What you do and so you go to the uh, the collection plate and you drop something in it for us, <laughs> you know? Uh, .us. Uh Kamal is currently working with one of our members to try to solve a problem. Are you, are you, are you still, can you say the two final words? Oh, yeah. You know, the timing is perfect. Um, I just, uh, just want to say that um, that the time for this idea is now that if you are not already on this fast-moving train, you want to get on it right now. Amen. That this here is the freedom train. <laughs> and we are driving straight through the Underground Railroad into the promised land on it. Yes. And I am so, so inspired and excited by the uh, the organizers, the change makers, the educators, the everybody who's sitting at our table right now. Pull up a seat. You don't want to miss this. Right. Right. Thank you, Kumail. Uh, Abolish Slavery Guy U.S., y'all. That's right. A lot of resources available for you to help understand more. Uh, literature, videos, whatever it is that really pushes you, you'll find it there, uh, including lists of things like, uh, did you know that things you might not have never known unless you went to Abolish Slavery Guy U.S. That's right. Picked it up. All right, Yusuf, we're going to go into thanking our sponsors who will make these things possible for us. And then into our final segment, which is our Bridging the Gap segment, where we bring the ancestors' words back to life for a new generation. For sure. So we definitely want to thank Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the IOMWI Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, FAMA Urge, that's Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolish Slavery National Network. So remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Abolition Today and our Facebook page, Abolition Today. Uh, for all the information, the news, the music you hear on this program, follow us on Twitter at Abolition Today 1. Uh, Abolition Today is available, available on all major podcast platforms as well as on abolitiontoday.org. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I just said that. Mm -hmm. uh, follow the ASNN. If you're not going to abolishslavery.us, then you should, but also follow them on all social media platforms at Abolition Nation. So I just want to say thank you to Together Colorado, Kimberly, Kamal, the entire network, uh, In Slavery Colorado. Uh, there may be some other organizations that I'm not thinking of right now, but we want to thank you all. You were tremendous host. I had a great time here in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> you know, so I can't wait until we do year four next year. You know, we don't know where we're going to be yet. I would love for it to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I can't commit to that yet because, you know, we're still in our beginning stages down there. So uh, I'll bridge in the gap. <laughs> yeah, because I'm great, go. I'm bridging the gap. So this week's bridging the gap will be Frederick Douglass's speech, 
read by Ozzie Davis on the post-abolition fight. And that will be followed up by Cynthia Erivo, stand-up. We'll be back next Sunday, September 3rd, God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Abolition. Abolition. Unlike the movement for the abolition of slavery, the success of the effort for the enfranchisement of the freedmen was not long delayed. In addition to the justice of the measure, it was soon commended by events as a political necessity. As in the case of the abolition of slavery, the white people of the rebellious states have themselves to thank for its adoption. Had they accepted with moderate grace the liberal conditions of peace offered to them and united heartily with the national government in its efforts to reconstruct their shattered institutions instead of sullenly refusing as they did their counsel and their votes to that end, they might have easily defeated the argument based upon the necessity for the measure. But their apparent determination to re-enslave the Negro in some new form of slavery made it essential that the freedmen obtained the shield of the ballot box. Consequently, there came in due time the great amendments to the Constitution, the 14th and 15th, which invested colored men with citizenship and the right to vote. The adoption of the 14th and 15th Amendments and their incorporation into the Constitution of the United States caused many of my former associates in the cause of the Negro to believe that their work was finished. Some even cautioned me against demanding too much for the colored people. They reminded me that only a decade ago, Negroes were slaves without any rights, and that in an amazingly short time, they'd been freed and transformed into American citizens and even given the right to vote. But even as they spoke, a new pattern of oppression replacing the old slave system was growing up in the South. The plantation owners, shorn of their source of power by emancipation, devised new methods of reducing the freedman to a state of peonage that would keep him bound hand and foot to the plantation. Terrorist society, such as the Ku Klux Klan, swept down upon Negroes who dared to protest the violation of their rights. Any Negro community which sought to defend its civil liberties soon found its churches and schools a smoking shambles. Soon, as a result of this terror, the constitutional amendments adopted after the Civil War became little better than a mockery of freedom. When I met delegates at Negro conventions who had lived through the horrors of seeing their families massacred, their churches and schools burned to the ground, and their homes left in smoking ruins, I realized the ridiculousness of the contention that my work was over. Constitutional amendments guaranteeing the Negro equality and fair play looked very well in print, I reminded my friends. But law on the statute book and law and the practice of the nation are two very different things and sometimes very opposite things. What were the 14th and 15th Amendments worth to the victims of the Klan terror? What did the ballot mean to men reduced to a state of peonage? At the South, I argued in speech after speech, the Negro dependent upon his enemy for his daily bread cannot long vote or act contrary to the will of those to whom he must necessarily look for food and raiment which he must have. It is a grand thing to have rights 
secured by constitutional provisions and by legal enactments, but without a public opinion and the government to enforce them, they are a mockery. To be one half freeman and the other half slave, to be a citizen and yet treated as an alien, to be a man and yet not be a man among men may do for monsters, but not for genuine manhood. To those who called for a halt to agitation on the Negro question, I replied, we certainly hope that the time will come when the colored man in America shall cease to require the special efforts to guard these rights and advance their interests as a class. But that time has not yet come and is not even at the door. When the doors of nearly every workshop in the land are closed against the colored race and the highest callings open to them are of a menial character, while a colored gentleman is compelled to walk the streets of our large cities like New York, unable to obtain admission to public hotels, while staterooms are refused in our steamboats and berths are refused in our sleeping cars on account of color, and the Negro is a byword and a hissing at every corner, the Negro is not abolished as a degraded caste, nor need his friends shut up shop and cease to make his advancement in the scale of civilized life a special work. Where is he? Come on back, peaceful. I'm a whisper or die. I've been walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders, a bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head. Just in case I have to run I do what I can, what I can, what I can for my people While the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night That's when I'm gonna stand up, take my miles to freedom would you like to pick a new name to mark your freedom Harrington And I'll fight with the strength that I got until I die. 
Underground Railroad. Freedom is to me no fear. I mean, really, no fear. Abolition. 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 If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.